All right, good evening. Welcome to Get Ramadra on the Phone. As you know, it's 9-11. It is the anniversary of the terrorist strike here on the United States. I had this discussion with my son today. It's something that is solemn. It's something that we can't celebrate, but we commemorate. Uh, And it was, as I explained to him, something that to this day still makes me angry and still makes me sad. Uh, I was listening to a special on Fox the other day about the guy in the red bandana who led people to safety. Uh, He epitomizes uh, the many heroes of that era. Uh, And I think it's important what we did and the message we sent to the world. Uh, A lot of you didn't like some of the foreign entanglements that resulted. Maybe the neocon in me was a little happier with some of that. I'm very upset about the way we ultimately got out of Afghanistan after all the blood and treasure we shed there. Uh, But I do want to take a moment and just say uh, that we should never forget what happened on 9-11. And we should remember uh, the people who gave their lives both during that incident and subsequent. And that's pretty much all I have to say about it, but it is important. All right. Today, I want to talk about a Republican plan for success. Get off social issues and pick competent candidates. I've maintained for a long time that if Republicans want to win, we have to pick people that are electable by the mainstream. And there's this theory out there, right? You know, oh, if you vote for a Democrat, if you vote for the other side, then you are not an American, that the president is not my president. Well, Donald Trump was my president. Joe Biden is my president. Everybody should be able to say that. Whoever the president of the United States is, if you believe in democracy, if you believe in representative democracy, whoever is duly elected, and that's where we get a hang up because some of you still aren't convinced that somebody was duly elected or not duly elected, right? But assume for a moment that somebody was duly elected. And and let's do a little math. Remember this. There are a lot more people registered, for instance, in Pennsylvania that are Democrat by registration. There are more people that are Democrats on average across the country in a lot of states. So we should expect Democrats to probably have the upper hand in those states and localities. Uh, I wouldn't vote for AOC if you paid me, but the people who voted for her think she's nifty, right? Uh, And I wouldn't vote for Marjorie Taylor Greene if you paid me, but the people who voted for her think she's nifty. So remember that, all right? So what do Republicans need to do? We need to start picking candidates who make sense for our party but who are also electable by the people who aren't in our party, which means you either got to pull a few Democrats in or a lot of the independents in. Trump actually did that the first time around, right? Just barely with a help from Jill Stein in Michigan and Pennsylvania, but he won. And congratulations, he won. Then he lost in a record landslide election where more voters came out than ever before. Uh, because of the polarization of the nation that was going on. Kansas is a good example. Republicans thought they have the abortion issue on their side. Uh, The registrations that are coming out in Kansas right before that vote that happened on abortion, a lot of women registered to vote. Presumably, a lot of women wanted to be heard on not banning abortion. Pennsylvania is not a state where zero tolerance on abortion would come in handy, right? So... What do we do here in Pennsylvania? We picked Dr. Oz, who I voted for, uh, and who may lose to Fetterman. Fetterman had a stroke. If Fetterman loses this election, it's going to be because of that stroke. Um, Oz has really not resonated with the voters the way that the other primary candidates might have. He 
He's kind of a carpet beggar is the argument by one side, right? Uh, he's not really from here. He's a celebrity doctor. What's he doing in Pennsylvania? That's a pretty good argument, actually. Uh, but I like his politics a little better than Fetterman's, right? Um, in fact, I like his politics a little better because I think he played to the right to get elected. So he's going to be more of a centrist, which, as you guys know, is kind of what I like, right? That's why I was okay voting for him when Trump told me to. I, however, didn't follow Trump's instructions on Doug Mastriano. Uh, I've got this theory that Doug Mastriano is uh, just too dangerous for Pennsylvania. All right, I got a few points here. He gave money to an anti-Semite. This guy who runs Gab, he's refused to come out and say, I don't support him. He's refused to come out. So, oh, he doesn't represent me. Listen, when you go to a site like Gab, use Gab to find followers, and you give money to Gab to help find followers, and the guy's an open anti-Semite, uh, we've got problems, okay? Uh, Doug also thinks, that's why I think Doug is dangerous. Doug also thinks that a woman has no right to an abortion even if her life is at stake. He's that extreme on it, right? He has an oath keeper in his private security force running around the state with him. The guy's no longer in the oath keeper leadership, but he, he removed his name from the website or his name was removed when the Lancaster Press started asking about that. The Oath Keepers are a dangerous extremist group that were involved in the January 6th, where Doug was as well. And he picked the Confederate uniform for his uh, graduation, okay? Uh, I have a problem with that. Why do I have a problem with that? Uh, I have a problem with that because I think, that little graphic I think shows how I feel about Doug. But I want you to listen to something. This is a prayer that Doug Mastriano gave uh, this is a prayer that he actually Senator gave. Senator of Pennsylvania, if you can please uh, lead us in prayer. Thank you. God, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we remember the promises of old. And we know we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and not loving our lives unto death. And we remember the testimony of William Penn, who spoke over Pennsylvania to be a seat of the nation in 1681, and it was. We uh, remember 1776, our Declaration of Independence, speaking God's truth and word over what would become the United States of America. That promise here in Pennsylvania in 1863, a new birth of freedom that all men can be free, spoken by Abraham Lincoln, raised in Gettysburg here. And in 2001, while our nation was attacked by terrorists, a strong Christian man from Cranberry, New Jersey, Todd Beamer, said, let's roll. God, I ask you to help us roll in these dark times that we fear not the darkness, that we will seize our Esther and Gideon moments, that we will stand in a gap, that when you say, who shall I send, we will say, set me, and not him or her. We will take responsibility for our republic and not waver in these days and try our souls. I know we're surrounded by wickedness and fear and dithering and inaction, but that's not our problem. Our problem is following your lead. I pray, God, we'll have the favor of Esther, the discernment of Daniel, the heart of David, the courage of Joshua, the double portion of Elijah, the wisdom of Solomon, and that we will fight this good fight for freedom. God, we stand in the testimony and shoulders of giants. I pray, God, that we will not waver in this time of need when a republic needs us most. God, you're calling forth modern-day Esthers and Gideons, and I pray that you give us the courage to do so. And we think about, uh, and now Aaron occurs as well, we think about our elected officials in Pennsylvania who've been weak and feckless, and we've handed over our power to a governor who does, disregards the freedoms of this republic. I pray that we'll take responsibility, we'll seize the power that, that we have given to us by the Constitution, and well by you, providentially. I pray for the leaders and also in, in the federal government, God, on the 6th of January that they will rise up with boldness. You'll bless these letters that President Trump asked me this morning to send to Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy outlining the fraud in Pennsylvania. And this 
will embolden them to stand firm and, and disregard what has happened in Pennsylvania until we have an investigation. God, we pray truth will go forth in victory and that your truth will go marching on. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, do I have a problem with the fact that he's praying that he's a Christian? Absolutely not. What I have a problem with is that he's praying basically that the election fraud claims that were being falsely forwarded, that he was part of spearheading here in Pennsylvania, uh, would somehow get God's divine province to overrule the duly elected uh, uh, choice of Joe Biden from Pennsylvania. Uh, I think that shows where his heart is. Uh, you know, praying to God for help, for guidance is one thing. Praying on a false pretense that an election was unfair or somehow there was this massive fraud. Remember what happened with Trump when they tried to bring this massive fraud forward? There was a lawsuit here and the judge said, you brought me nothing. Rudy Giuliani was up in, in uh, uh, court. Well, that whole thing, that whole argument, no evidence has ever really been brought forward of massive fraud. My concern is, again, Doug Mastriano is just completely jaded. He was down there on January 6th. He's just a dangerous extremist kind of guy. Um, I'm really concerned about his association with the Oath Keepers. And, and so I wanted to use Doug Mastriano as this example, right? Um, you know, every week I say something about Doug loves your uterus more than you do to the ladies. Because, for instance, no exceptions for the life of a mother in, in abortion. How are you going to win that in Pennsylvania? How are we as Republicans going to run a candidate who says there shall be no exceptions for the life of a mother in the case of abortion, let alone rape or incest, right? I guess you guys can argue about that one. Oh, Carl, you know, even though it's a rape baby, that 12-year-old should bring it to term because that's God's will and that's whatever, and it, and it shall be blessed, right? That's the theory I've heard forwarded by some of you. Uh, but when it comes to life of a mother, many religions say you've got to balance the two. And Doug's way out there on that. So my concern is that we don't have a Republican plan for success going forward. I think we already gave up the governorship of PA. Dr. Oz may yet pull it out. Okay. But here's the lesson. If Dr. Oz wins, some of you are going to get the lesson like, oh, it was okay to pick him. It was a great idea. It's only going to be because Fetterman had a stroke, right? So we need to find candidates who represent conservatism. What is conservatism, by the way? Conservatism is keeping things roughly the same, right? Not, it's not liberal, which is changing things, but conservatives are okay with some change over time. Conservatives like to conserve, no radical moves in governance. So for instance, the reversal of Roe v. Wade, uh, while in some respects may meet a conservative value, is also a change in governance, which is an anti-conservative thing. Remember, they're guiding principles. There's no ideology for a conservative. So we need to stay with conservative candidates, but we need to stay with conservative candidates who straddle the mainstream well enough, well enough that people have a reasonable chance of winning. Um, we got, uh, I hope they debate. Yes, I hope there is a debate between uh, Fetterman and Oz. I think that would be great to see where they both stand on certain issues, to see how they're going to handle things, what they're going to say. I'd be very excited to hear that, actually. Um, let's see. 
But Sandy says uh, Fetterman's a horrific candidate. Oz must win, even though he's not a great candidate. Sandy, I agree. I agree. I think we're 100% on the same page on this one. My concern is really with ending up <laughs> here's here's a great one right here. Uh, they're all morons running for office at the moment. Well, Jesse, that's I I I don't know if you guys remember the intro for the Bob Durgan show, but there was a little quote from me that I actually used to play during the intro in the last few years when they redid the intro for the last couple of years. There was a quote from me saying, in a democracy, you get the government you deserve. And that's not actually my quote. That was me quoting somebody else. Uh, but I think Michael Parks or somebody clipped that out and put that in there. And I always loved that fact that that made that because I 100% believe that in a democracy, you get the government you deserve, meaning you picked them, you get what you get. Um, that's the one problem, by the way, in a democracy, right? We're always all on the losing end sooner or later, and we've got to live with the guy that everybody else picked. And that's where, again, pushing towards the mainstream, getting to the center. Let me explain something to you. If you go to the center, right, you get to the center somehow, maybe center right, that forces the other side to come to the center as well. Think about that for a minute. If one choice is a wacky liberal and one choice is an uber conservative, right? Um, then, then you've got both sides of the fence, right? Uh, and you got to pick one extreme. You don't. Nobody's happy with the other. But if one candidate comes to the middle and they win, in future elections, both sides have to keep straddling towards that middle. So if you don't want radical left Democrats to win. You can't run radical right Republicans because then it becomes a binary choice in whichever way the independents happen to flip on that particular election is going to be what you get. So my advice and my plan for the Republican Party, uh, Carl's uh, four point plan here, right, as I'm making up as I go along. No, my, my plan is we need to get to the middle. Um, research Braddock. Okay. Sandy says we should be researching Braddock as somebody else told me we should be as well. And where am I going with this though? Is if we pick people who are closer to the center. So this election's already cast in stone, right? So we're going to have to ride it out. But I think this is the lesson. The lesson is going to be find solid middle of the road candidates who represent your values, but possibly could attract others. Uh, that's superior to any conservative agenda, says, says Don. I'm not sure what he's saying is superior to any conservative agenda. But what I would say is this, and I go back to um, Republican plan for success. Pick people who are in the middle to keep people in the middle winning. You can't have everything you want in a democracy. I'll go back to this. There are people in America who think Marjorie Taylor Greene is the cat's pajamas. There are people in America that think AOC is the cat's pajamas. They're both right in a democracy, right? But only one of them wins. Now, because we have a representative democracy that breaks down by region and state in the way we do with 435 House seats and 100 senatorial seats, there's lots of room for variation in our elected representatives. This was something that the founders intended. They intended for that. And they intended for some push and pull. But we got to get off this. The other side is evil, okay? That the other side is trying to destroy America. Because both sides believe that, okay? Some people on the left think that the uh, Cook or Coke or whatever, however you say their name, 
you know, those evil Republican, uber Republicans are trying to destroy the world with a secret cabal of billions of dollars being spent. And people on the right think that George Soros, they're kind of like these uh, twin uh, towers, right? One side believes the other side's manipulating the world secretly through this cabal. Maybe they're both right. I don't know. But if they're both right, then you would think the yin and yang of the pull and the push would even out, right? So there, there are more billionaires with different agendas uh, such that they probably do even out. Uh, the Perfect Gentleman, which was an Eddie Murphy movie back in the day, you remember, but Eddie Murphy sits down for lunch and they say, you got, you know, the, the aide's like, do you uh, abortion for or against, guns for or against? And he's like, well, well, well these are, and he said, no, it doesn't matter what side you're for, we'll find the money. I just need to know who I'm going to get the money from. And the point being in American politics, there's always money, whatever side you take. There's always somebody to support that side. There's always a group, an advocacy group, a lobby. Um, a think tank that's going to agree with you if you're a politician. So you just have to sort of sort that out based on what you think your electorate wants and where you think you really are. So I'm not going to keep tonight's show really lengthy. Okay, I just think uh, I just think we need to get to. Uh, you're not going to vote your way out of the mess we're in. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. What does Sandy say? Sandy says I definitely believe that liberal Democrats are against everything I believe. Uh, Maybe liberal Democrats are, and extreme liberal Democrats, for sure. Uh, I don't think they're against everything you believe. I mean, does everybody, let me ask a question of social trust, right? When you get on the highway in the morning and you drive down the road, are you expecting the other guy to try to crash into you? And the answer is no. And I think you can expect that even if you disagree with their version of America, they're not actually trying to destroy it. They can be terribly wrong about what's good for America. Um, Diane says, we have a Republican House and Senate for a reason. The big city and voter fraud cancel out the rest of the state. Um, yeah, the big city and voter fraud. Why, why is everybody always convinced there's fraud? So I'll give you an example in Pennsylvania. We have 500,000 more registered Democrats than Republicans. Wrap your brain around that for a minute. That means if all the Democrats show up and vote roughly Democrat and all the Republicans show up and vote roughly Republican, the state should usually go Democrat statewide. I mean, that's pretty much the math. It's not a, it's not a fraud thing, okay? It's just, that's the electorate. Now, how do Republicans get elected? Think Tom Ridge. Tom Ridge was the pro-choice Republican, right? He was a liberal Republican. How did Casey as a Democrat win? He was the anti-abortion Democrat, straddling the middle. In Pennsylvania, if you want to win statewide office, you've got to straddle the middle. That's why Doug Mastriano, who I think is just downright dangerous for a lot of reasons, um, particularly the anti-Jewish thing, really disturbs me. And I don't know why it doesn't disturb some of you. Um, Corbett, good example. Um, did, did PA cast more votes than people registered? Uh, I don't believe so. But if you have that evidence, I'd love to see it. Um, I'd love to see it. So, now, Dawn, don't be beating up on Sandy. I like Sandy. She's actually, um, uh, Sandy, Sandy, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to count Mastriano out. But uh, uh, I respect your opinion on a lot of things, but I'm counting Mastriano out because he's too set on the abortion issue in a way that just doesn't work in Pennsylvania politics. He refuses to engage with the mainstream media, which is hurting him more than helping him. There are a lot of reasons why he's not going to win. Oh, yeah, Sandy, you're right. We will see. Um, 
Diana, you go Google it. I don't know if I have time to remain on, on, on while you try to find the evidence of the voter fraud. Uh, if you remember Mark Scringy, our local conservative attorney and radio host, right, on WHP, was up in Scranton or wherever, wherever the heck that was, up in the middle of the state with Rudy Giuliani, right? And what did the judge say? He said, if you want to overturn Pennsylvania voters' votes, that really requires some evidence. And you didn't bring me any evidence, any evidence of fraud, any evidence of a problem. Um, judges, what, 60-some judges rejected those arguments. Many of them Trump-appointed judges. Now, I guess there's some giant conspiracy of the deep state, right? Um, some giant conspiracy of the deep state to convince all these Trump-appointed judges that there was no election fraud. Or maybe there was no evidence of it. By the way, I'll give you a great example of what's going on right now down in Florida, right? Um, down in Florida, Trump's out there saying, I declassified the documents. But did you notice what his attorneys have not done in court? They have not pled or argued that the documents were declassified. This is exactly like with the election fraud stuff. They ran, ran around and kept using the word fraud and saying there was fraud. But when they went to court, they actually said in court, this isn't a fraud case and we're not bringing a claim of fraud. This is what we're saying because they didn't want to lie in court. It's okay to lie to the public. So notice that Trump's attorneys are not saying he declassified the documents to the judge because the attorneys don't want to get in trouble later that it wasn't declassified. So just pay careful attention with what people file and say in court, Republican or Democrat, versus what they say otherwise outside of court. When the two don't line up, that tells you something. Because if you're saying it comfortably outside of court and it's truthful, you can say it comfortably inside court too. You can't get in trouble for telling the truth in court. When you're a politician or you're a lawyer talking political things, you can say whatever you want outside the courtroom to an extent. Inside the courtroom, you have to be a lot more careful. Um, so I'm not going to go much longer, but this is my point for Republicans in the future. And I, I appreciate the debate you guys have going on right now. I'm going to tell you right now that the Senate is going to stay in Democratic hands because of the poor candidate quality. I'm with Mitch McConnell on this, okay? The House of Representatives is not going to pick up nearly as many seats as it should um, because Republicans, again, have sort of dithered on certain issues. We need to, if we want to continue to control the economic and political levers of government as Republicans, and you guys can call me a rhino because I'm in that, you know, Bill Crystal wing of the party, right? Um, then we need to pick mainstream candidates and we need to put mainstream candidates up for election that will pull the Democrats towards the mainstream. And then we'll all live happily ever after with some compromise. Um, I'm sorry, but not everybody in America is a evangelical. Not everybody in America is a Jew. Not everybody in America is a Muslim. We are an amalgamation of many different religions. And by the way, for some of you who have got this really weird bent that like we're a Christian nation, go down to the Supreme Court of the United States of America and look at the fresco. I can see the Ten Commandments, right? Right next to Muhammad, right next to Muhammad in your Supreme Court, your beloved Supreme Court, right? How did that happen? Because a long time ago, before all this wackiness started, people recognized that church and state were, you know, not really combined and that Muslims and Jews and Christians lived in harmony in some levels here in America, um, in some levels.
Fetterman is the worst candidate. He's a rich guy in a hoodie pretending to be a blue collar common man. All the candidates can pretend to be blue collar common men, right? Trump doesn't exactly pretend it, but he has that ethos. Um, Romney was going to be our guy, right? With his $400 million IRA and his dressage horses. Um, the Democrats do the same thing. Bernie Sanders, Liz, uh, uh, what, uh, uh, Trump, Trump's uh, favorite, you know, uh, they all have money. Imagine that in America, in order to be a politician, you have to have money. In fact, there's very few bootstrap stories in American politics because at the end of the day, uh, you can't get to the skull and crossbones club at the Yale university without the right mommy and the right daddy, which usually takes money. Um, we are a democracy where anybody can become president, but for some reason, the Clintons and the Bushes and the Trumps, uh, who all hang out together, by the way, right? All those kids hang out together, Chelsea and Ivanka and everybody. Uh, it's a club. It's an empire. All right. Don't be fooled by that. Uh, yeah, Fetterman does pretend he doesn't. Uh, I, I don't disagree with that, but all the rich people play down. Uh, how they live. They don't want you to know about what their lifestyles are really like. Listen, I went out with a woman one time, uh, well, for, well, for a while, who, who had some connection to real wealth and knew several billionaires. And she used to laugh about how, she's of course a Democrat, she used to laugh about how, you know, to me, you Republicans are so easily fooled by these rich guys who, who live a different lifestyle. And, and everybody thinks somehow that they're relatable when in fact they're really not. Um, it's hard to describe, but understand this. Um, relatability is one thing, but actually relating to the common man, probably not true. Really wealthy people tend to assume that most people's lives are easier than they are. Really poor people also tend to assume that, that there's not as many wealthy people as there are. Everybody sort of sees the world through their own lens. So we're all guilty of that. I don't know how bad my lens is or isn't um, because it's hard to get outside of it. But one thing that through my life and, and back when I was representing clients, you know, I used to say, I have no idea what a person's individual wealth is based on how they describe it. I had a guy in my office one time telling me he was making money hand over fist um, and he had a $14 an hour job and he lived in a trailer. OK, and nothing, nothing wrong with that. But that was his version of the world was he was he was balling. He was a baller. Another guy in my office one time complaining that they wouldn't appoint him a public defender because he was destitute. And then I found out that he and his wife were both software engineers pulling in a combined income of $400,000 a year. And in his world, apparently, versus who he was comparing himself to, he felt like he was behind the eight ball. Um, but either one of those guys, if you didn't know what they did or find out eventually what their salaries were, you would have thought one guy was living high and one guy was poor and you'd been wrong about both because that's how they perceive themselves, okay? Well, how we perceive ourselves is a reflection also how we perceive the world in general. Uh, so I don't know. All I want you guys to take from tonight's show is this. The next time around when you're choosing a candidate in the primary, don't get caught up in the litmus test. Look at what everybody in our society in general for the area you're trying to elect a person for is looking for and try to pick somebody who doesn't necessarily have to compromise their values, but who is going to be able to compromise and walk towards the middle legitimately and who the moderates who ultimately make these swing vote decisions um, or where the issue of the day is are going to be able to accept. 
All right. I want to thank you guys for listening tonight. As always, I want to ask you to do me a favor since you've been listening. Please share this show to your timeline. Share it with friends trying to uh, you know, build a little traffic here. And uh, if you don't like what I have to say, that's okay. Share it and say, hey, look at what this idiot's saying. And if you like it, tell people to t- tune in. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great night.